morning, everyone. I hope everyone is all tuned in. You've celebrated the Lord's table and you're excited about it being Sunday morning. Um, I hope that's the case. You know, Sunday morning is a time that a Christian should look forward to. Um, I know we can't meet, although some of us will be meeting in Port Gravel this afternoon. Um, it is a joy to be able to worship together, sing songs. We, we, we thank you, the worship leaders. We thank Doug for leading us in the Lord's table. Um, we are still together in heart, one spirit, right? We're, we're together like we are with Jesus. We have that same spirit within us. We are united as one. So I hope you're excited about what God's going to do in your heart this morning through his word. I pray that you will be blessed by that. So let's, let's do that. Let's ask God to, to bless our hearts by giving us a truth that we need to hear and encouraging us to, um, to obedience to him and to, um, and to understanding the fullness of the grace that he's offering us. So let's do that. Father God, thank you so much, Father God, that you would pull us out of the miry clay and place our feet on the solid rock of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we have redemption already bought and paid for for us, Lord, that we just need to receive it. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for these truths. Thank you that it's more than religion. Thank you that it's more than what we can do, but it is the great gift of God, his son, for us, that we may spend eternity with you. So, God, I pray that you will bless this time together as we look at your word, or as we contemplate things that I believe you've laid upon my heart. And God, that you would draw us closer to you and, uh, and at every moment make us more like your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, we want to represent you well here on earth, God. So those who uh, pray for those who have not yet or are just seeking God, I pray for them that this morning that they will hear a truth that would penetrate their hearts, that would open their minds to understanding. And God, that they would be blessed as well to hear what you would have for them. As, um, so Lord, we together we, we seek to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we... Look at the world and we look at di different occupations or different titles that people have. There's different responsibilities. And when we look at like a doctor, for instance, what's a doctor's duties? Well, a doctor is, is meant, a physical doctor is meant to, to save lives and promote good health. That's what a doctor is primarily, right? Um, uh, an airplane pilot would be someone who would, their main responsibility is to keep that, that sucker up in the air, <laughs> to keep it up in the air and to get you from point A to point B. That would be their responsibility. And the real, um, uh, something that's real for today, a police officer, is to, is to serve and protect, to keep the law, to keep the peace. That's what the police officers to do. So if you look at any of these people or at many other titles, they have a responsibility, a certain responsibility in this world. And if they didn't live up to that responsibility, they would lose credibility, wouldn't they? If they were constantly not doing what they were supposed to do, as we've seen in some, some cases with, with police and things from down the States or even here in our, um, where people are not really who they say they are, they just don't you just lose credibility you, you you lose trust in what they're doing 
I want to look today, uh, as, as the same person we looked at last week, we looked at his message, John the Baptist. This week I want to look more at the character, the man himself. This week I want to specifically focus on, upon one thing, or a couple things, but primarily um, one thing. And so John the Baptist had a responsibility. He had a responsibility to to go before Jesus. He had a responsibility, a God-anointed responsibility. And, and he'd done it well. He lived it out as he's supposed, supposed to. Now, if he hadn't have done it well, he, he, wouldn't have, he wouldn't have lived up to the person he was supposed to be. And I think that we can, as Christians, even though John the Baptist was pre-cross, we can learn things from John the Baptist. Specifically today, I want to learn about boldness and humility and how they go together. But we can learn from John the Baptist characteristics that we need to know as Christians because he was a godly man, all right? And so I want you to pay attention to what that means in our lives, in our everyday lives. So we pray that, um, that, that you will grab a hold of this understanding of what true Christian character should look like. If you're going to live up to the name of being a Christian, then you have a responsibility. Did you know that? You have a responsibility. If you're going to bear the name of Christ, if you're going to bear the name of Christ ones, which is what Christian means, if you're going to bear that name, then there's a responsibility behind it. And I'm not talking about works here. I'm talking about living up to the one who you've said you've given your life over to. First of all, I want to look at John's credentials. Okay, just to, just to give you an idea, so, you know, we, we look at um, John, John being, we talked about it last week, John coming in the spirit of Elijah, right? That's something, right? Coming in the spirit of Elijah, even though he didn't recognize it that way. Jesus proclaimed it. He came in the spirit of Elijah. He was anointed as, uh, with the spirit of God, even from the womb. He, prophesied, he was prophesied in Isaiah and Malachi. This is John the Baptist. He's, he's got the credentials here. And just to top it all off, to top it all off, as the forerunner, forerunner, I'm sorry, forerunner of, for our Lord, can you imagine that responsibility? The forerunner for our Lord, going before our Lord, going before our God, even though he may not fully understood that, he had that great responsibility. And, and to top it all off, Jesus spoke highly of him himself. <laughs> Jesus, I want to look at that for a moment. Just, I want to build up the credibility of John the Baptist before we listen to the character we're talking about here. Just, and you'll see why. Okay? So the credibility, the, 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 what Jesus had to say about John. Now, John's disciples had been sent by John to Jesus just to make sure Jesus was who he said he was. I mean, here's John is in prison, and he's kind of probably... Uh, but I think we're going to talk a little more about that next week. But a little bit of, you know, he's kind of, ah, uh, you know, is this really the one to come or is there another one? He wasn't doubting that Jesus was one person to come, but is there another one? Should I be, be expecting somebody else? So he sent his disciples out and his disciples asked. And so after the disciples were leaving, listen to this. Matthew chapter 11, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 7. We're just going to read 7 to 11, Okay. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? 
If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. He answers the question. No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. Listen to Jesus, how he's, he's building up John here. More than a prophet. This is the one whom about is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, you who will prepare your way before you. I truly, I tell you, among those born of women, get this, among those born of women, there is none risen, not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, did you hear that? Of all the people born of women, this is Jesus promoting him. He says, he says, you know what? This, this John the Baptist was great. He is, he's of the greatest of those born of women. He stood above the rest. But just a side note here before we get in any more into this message, I just want to make it clear. Jesus makes it clear that it's not, it's, he's not saying that John was the least of all kingdom of heaven because he was kind of knocking him down a notch. He just built him up, right? He just promoted him because John was still under the law. He's still of the Old Testament law. John the Baptist did not have the, the, the ability to create his own righteousness. So even as good as John was, remember, Jesus building him up here, he's already been anointed by God. He was a forerunner of Jesus Christ. There's something pretty special about that. He's already said he's of the greatest of women, born of women. And then he, then he goes, but he's least of all in the kingdom of heaven. That means that even as good as what John was, even the greatest of what people are, this is just a side note here so you can understand, even that greatness does not qualify him for heaven. It is only by the grace of Jesus Christ is only by the grace that he would receive eternal life. It is only by that grace. So that's why he's least of all. He's talking about his, 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 his attributes, his characteristics as a human being and how they would, when it comes to heaven, it is by grace we have been saved and he would be, and, and it would not be as what he needed to get into heaven. So that, just to clarify that. So I want you to turn your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 3 for a moment. Okay, Matthew chapter 3. And I, I want to uh, look at the character of John the Baptist in this passage. I'm going to focus mainly but on verses 7 to 11 again in chapter 3, but I want to read the whole from 1 down to 12. Or I'm going to focus on 1 to 12, actually, or 7 to 12. But I'm going to read from 1 to 12 and try to give you context, okay? So Matthew 3, 1 to 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Okay, now I want you you get the context here. Now listen. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, 
Who warned you to flee from this coming wrath? From the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Oops. In our modern-day society, we would not approve of John the Baptist's methods. In our politically correct society, we, 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 we would not look at him as someone who was attractive to our day. The words that he spoke and how he spoke them would not be popular today. However, before we, before we look at John with any judgment, remember, remember his credibility Remember who spoke on his behalf. Remember who exalted him. Remember who, or who built him up, I shouldn't say exalted him, but who, who, who spoke highly of John. Remember it was Jesus who spoke highly of him. John, John preparing a place in our hearts. We might think that he, he, spoke, he spoke something that produced, he talked about uh, the urgency of repentance. He spoke with urgency he was preparing the heart, right, for genuine repentance. He spoke a, a harsh imagery to, to make his point, okay? This is all the things that John said. Now, if we were to bring him in modern-day culture, he might not be that popular. There may not be crowds going to him, right? Um, it's just, but, but remember, the hearts of the people were ready to hear the truth being spoken. Their hearts were convicted. They were ready to be repented of where they were going. They were ready to turn back to God. John spoke boldly of a time of separation. He talked that there would be some who would, who, who would be separated from others, those who truly follow Christ. He talked about judgment. He talked about fire. John was actually a hellfire preacher of his day. That's what he was. He spoke that boldly. He spoke that message clearly, not, not out of judgment, but he would be considered today judgmental and unloving. But John wasn't unloving. I think that we would, I think that the world, if we looked at him that way, which would be easy in our modern day context, I think if we looked at him that way, we'd look at John wrongly. I think there would be it'd be a wrong um, picture of John's true heart. Even though he pro- preached boldly, even though he preached of judgment, even though he preached of hellfire, even though he preached the truth, even though he rebuked, I think if we looked at his character of anything else but loving, we would be wrong. You remember, he was he was commended by Jesus himself. You might say, well, John had a different message then. And he was before the cross. 
He has a different message than we have now. But did he really? Did he really have a different message? May I suggest to you the only thing different in John the, message, John the Baptist's message was he, he taught that the kingdom of heaven was near. We preach that the kingdom of heaven is here. There's still a need to understand that there needs to be repentance and there is judgment. There still needs to be a warning and there still needs to be an understanding that Jesus Christ has paid a certain sin debt, but understanding that if we keep going the way we go, there's a, there's a threat and a warning of hellfire. If, if, if we don't speak that, then we are not speaking the whole truth. The same message with the understanding that we are looking back at the cross, not looking forward to it. We are looking back at what Jesus has already done. Uh, sure, maybe our methods need to change. Need, our methods need to change to be effective in our day and culture. But it shouldn't require it, sh- it should require the same bold proclamation, warning of genuine warning to be genuine in a repentance and warning of the judgment to come. The one thing is obvious: when John preached, he revealed a boldness to speak when he preached the truth. Even when some intimidated him, and I think that's what happens is people get intimidated today. Today, we live in a culture that does not want to be intimidated, doesn't want to be thought poorly of. So we fear. There's no boldness in what we proclaim. John was not going about pointing out sinners. He was, he was talking to those. He was revealing a darkness that was evident. He was revealing that some were not truly repented. He was preaching a warning of what's to come. He was offering repentance. Remember, that is a gift of God. He said, listen, listen to his words. He talked about a brood of vipers. If you look at the word a brood of vipers, what does it mean? I, 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 also, I want to mention that the, the term brood of vipers, Jesus also said it. <laughs> a brood of vipers. Now think about it. A brood is children, or little ones, okay? The viper represented, basically represented the devil. Children of the devil is basically what he's calling them. That's pretty harsh words. But he, he wants them to understand something, that if you do not turn, if you, if you have a false repentance, then, 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 and if it's not real, then I need to speak truth into your life. I need to speak truth in your life. Without spending much time on a term, I want you to look at John's objective here. He wanted to reveal hypocrisy. He wanted to reveal it at his heart. He wanted people to know that there were, that there were hearts that, of hypocrisy, some who would, who would come who, did not, who really truly didn't have a repented heart. And a proof of that is there was no fruit in that. We wouldn't do that today. <laughs> We would be scared to do that today. If someone had proclaimed that they believed in Jesus Christ, if someone had trusted in, in faith and put their faith in Jesus Christ, then we would be scared to bring them to accountability. We live in a culture today as a live and let live. There's no boldness in a proclamation. Oftentimes, we, we struggle with making one another accountable because we do not want people to feel uncomfortable when That's exactly what people need to do in order to come to Christ. If you're not uncomfortable with your sin, 
then you do not see a need for a savior. I'm not saying we go around pointing fingers and saying sinner, 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 or we'd have to go sinner, sinner, sinner. I'm saying that if we are not bold to talk, to speak out against iniquities, to speak out against sin of this world, then who is going to speak out against it? It'd be those who have no idea what righteousness is. Jesus Christ has revealed the righteousness that he has offered us. We have the truth of the scripture. Who else is to stand up for what is right in this world? Who else is to stand up for the truth in this world? Christianity has a, a, a name. We are Christ followers. We are not to speak arrogantly. We are not to speak judgmentally. But we are to speak truth boldly. And this is our responsibility. This is why we wear the name. This is part of what wearing the name of being a Christ follower is. It's speaking the truth boldly. He spoke, um, uh, he spoke with uh, passion. He spoke with urgency. He spoke light into the darkness. He spoke light into the darkness. Our responsibility as Christians is not to passively sit by and watch as truth fades into existence. Truth just blends in. There's no absolute truth. We live in a society and we're conforming to a place to live and let live. Live and let live. That's how we love people. We just live and let live. Is that the way that it should be? You know, I even struggle preaching this message because in my human flesh, I don't want to offend people. I struggle with that. I struggle with not wanting to offend. but, But the truth must be spoken. If we do not speak the truth, then we're not truly loving. If we're not risking offending somebody with truth... Not just offending them for the sake of offending them, but if we don't risk that, if we're not so concerned with being politically correct that we do not speak truth into people's lives, especially when it comes to sinful behavior, whether in the church or out of the church, then we are truly not loving people. We're loving ourselves. That's what we're doing. I'm talking, I'm I'm a preacher, I'm preaching to myself here. Do we live in a culture, in a world that is different than the biblical culture? where sin was exposed and, and light was shone in the darkness. And, and people like John the Baptist were, and, and, and Jesus spoke truth about, about what was wrong. They weren't afraid to expose what was wrong, but we live passively in this world. Our boldness does not come in a way of condemnation, no. We need to address things that are not true. This goes with false teaching. We're afraid to, to look at somebody and say, well, no, that's wrong. That's not according to the Bible. But we need to. We need to because people are being led astray. People are leading, being led astray. And what will happen to them when they're led astray in, and we're afraid to speak truth into their lives? I mean with love. If we're afraid to speak truth into their lives and if, and, and if they weren't here tomorrow, but we refuse to speak truth into their lives. There would be judgment. And that's the truth. That's the truth of Christianity. Again, again, I, I, I struggle with saying this in a way that does not come across as harsh. But at the same time, do we avoid that for the sake of not speaking truth? 
Is that what we do? You know, we, Jesus Christ came for sinners, of which I am the worst, Paul says, and I feel that way too. Sinners, I'm, I'm sinning. But unless people realize what's, what their sin is, unless they realize, unless the sin is exposed, why do you need Jesus? <laughs> why do you need Jesus if there's no conviction of sin? Why do you need Jesus if everything's just okay and live and let live? Why do you need him? You need him because our sin separates us from a holy God. And that sin is only exposed when we reveal it. I'm not talking about calling people sinners. I'm talking about revealing wrong when it's wrong. I'm talking about opening up what is wrong in this world. If we can't stand up for the truth, if we can't speak the moral, uh, a moral absolute into this world, if we are not bold enough to do that, then who is going to do that? Don't we represent Jesus Christ? Don't we represent God? Aren't we Christ followers? Aren't we Christ ones? What is our responsibility? It's to speak truth. And it's not just the truth that everyone loves to hear. God loves you. That is a truth. But God loves you. That he saved you from the wretched person that you are in your heart. You're a sinner. Yeah. Yeah. Not just a sinner by name. But you're a sinner because of the sin that you do, the sin that happens. We need to expose what that looks like. Um, you know, the, John the Baptist, we talk about his boldness, and we kind of separate, we try to look at um, what, what it means when you're bold. In this world, we kind of look at being bold and, and humility at two ends of the spectrum, don't we? We don't kind of put them together. One's humble, one's bold. One speaks speaks hard, one's humble. You know, that's how we like to look at it in this world. But what may I suggest to you that biblical boldness and biblical humility go together. John the Baptist was very humble. Listen to his words in verse 11 again. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. You hear the humility in that? You can't get any more humble. I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals, John says. I'm not speaking a word from myself. I'm just telling you that he's coming. I'm just telling you that he's coming. I'm just telling you, I, I have that expression, uh, one beggar telling another beggar where the bread is. You know, I've, I've heard of the judgment. I've heard that I, I need to turn away from my sins. I heard that my sin will separate me from God forever. I heard that, that I will be punished for my sins. But Jesus Christ paid my sin debt in full upon the cross, and I received that with all my might. And I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you that judgment is coming, and, and, but God offers you salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. God, you, the judgment is coming because, because of the sin in your life. That is the truth of the gospel. We need, to, we need to speak it all. If we leave out part of it, then we are not really speaking it, the truth in love. If we are not bold enough to, to speak of the judgment, if we are not bold enough to call sin, sin, if we are not bold enough to stand up with what is right, just, and true in this world, if we are not bold enough to speak those things, then we are letting the world just go by and we're saying, okay, do what you want to do. I don't care. I don't care. Live and let live. John 3, um, if you, we're talking about more about John's uh, baptism in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 27 to 30. 
after uh, <laughs> this is John's disciples coming to John saying, you know, Jesus, he's, he's getting a lot of followers. He's baptizing people. They were a little concerned about Jesus kind of stepping up above John. John says this. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him. And in full, full of joy, when he hears the bridegroom's voice, that joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. Do you think John the Baptist was not humble? before Jesus. I mean, he when he was asked if he was Elijah, he said, no, he couldn't even profess to be Elijah. He says, I'm only a voice. That's basically how he, he described himself. I'm just a voice. I'm just a voice. Here, he talks about the bride. He doesn't even include himself in the wedding party. He just says, you know what? I'm just a friend of the groom. See, we have a different story. We are the bride. <laughs> we have a different story than John. He is a friend of the groom. We're the bride that the groom as the church, we are the bride, if you belong to Christ. But it doesn't mean that we should not, we should not look at becoming less as he becomes more. John didn't recognize himself. And the point I want to make here is humility is the key to boldness, okay? Okay, so, so understand this. I'm going to explain this here, okay? You listening? Are you listening? Okay, so, so the key, humility is the key to boldness because boldness in this world is something that you conjure up yourself with your own strength. This is kind of let you off the hook here, okay? If you struggle with sharing the truth to the world, if you struggle with preaching the gospel, if you struggle with doing this, you're gonna, I'm going to let you off the hook. You can be done feeling guilty for the most part, okay? okay? I'm going to let you off the hook because, because if, in, in boldness in this world is us conjuring up some strength within ourselves to be bold. Right? That's what boldness is. It's kind of like pride and stubborn pride and self determination. That's what boldness is in this world. That's how we would perceive boldness. I got to do this. I got to be bold. I got to stand up. But biblical boldness is different. Biblical boldness comes in the tale of humility. Biblical boldness says, I don't have what it takes, but I trust in the one who does. Biblical boldness says that, that the one who calls me to it calls me, brings me through it. That's what biblical boldness means. It's, it's, it's wrapped in humility. It's understanding that I am not arrogant, I do not have self-determination, but I am humbly falling at the feet of Jesus. And the closer I draw to him, the closer I am to him, the more time I spend with him, the more humble I become, and the more I depend upon him. That's biblical boldness. See, when we, when we steer away from boldness to be able to share the gospel, it is fear that drives it. And fear is a lack of faith. Fear is, is something that we're not trusting in God with. See, our boldness comes from our faith. Our boldness doesn't come from an arrogance or self-determination. And I think that's where we get it wrong often. If we walk in this world and we preach the truth, it's not, it's not because we've got this strength within to be able to do it. It's because we've grown, drawn near to Christ and we depend upon the strength of God. It is a faith thing. Does it let you, let you off the hook a little bit? 
Does that give you a little bit more confidence? I want you to think about this. Think about this. Why don't you turn your, your, your Bible to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Get this. Grab a hold of this. Acts chapter 4, verse 31 is the birth of the church. This is where it's, this is the very first, this is where the church comes alive. This is where the Spirit of God comes into the hearts of believers. This is where church is born, okay? Now, now listen, listen to what it says. After they had prayed, the place where they had, were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And listen to this. And they spoke the word of God boldly. They spoke the word of God boldly. Now, I want you to think about this. The, the greatest thing that happened when the church started, when people were filled with the Spirit of God, when the church began, the first thing that happened is they spoke the word boldly. That's what happened. So if you're wondering if, if, it's not a, if it's not a Christian characteristic, if it's not a Christian responsibility, it's the first thing that spoke here. It's a, it's a need for that. When we trust in Jesus Christ, we are not trusting in ourselves anymore. It's not an arrogance. It's not a strength of our own, but we trust in God. How do you trust in God? You draw closer to him. You get to know him better. How is your walk going with God? Because the closer we are with God, the more we fall in love with God. The closer we are with Jesus Christ, the more time we spend in his word, the more time we spend in prayer, the more time we spend in fellowship, the closer we draw near to God, the more, more confident we are in him. Because we know him deeper and more intimately. And the more deeper and more intimate we know God, the bolder we become with the proclamation of the gospel and the truth. The more, uh, more able we are to stand up for what is right, just, and true. Even in the midst of opposition. And we will have opposition. Christianity is not about going around and, and making people feel good. That's what we've made it like in our culture and I'm not saying we don't go around making people feel bad. That's not our intent. But, but, but Christianity is more confronting sin. Because listen, listen, are you listening? Listen, listen to me. If someone is not understanding the, of their sin personally, if they do not have a sorrow in their heart for sin, there is no need for the gospel. There is none. What need is there? He's just, Jesus is just your friend. Yeah, I asked him into my heart. Why? Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? He had to die because we are a sinner and we are separated from God forever. That's the truth. That's the cold heart. I shouldn't say cold heart truth because that sounds nasty. But I'm just, that's, the, that's the truth. That's the truth of, of, of the gospel. That's the hard truth. You know, it's, 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 more, it's deeper than just going around and making friends and saying, you know what? Church is for you. You need to go to church. It's about, no, no. Do you understand your sin? Do you understand that your sin separates you from a holy God? Do you understand that your sin will face judgment someday? That you will stand before a holy God and God will judge you because of your sin? And I don't think it's wrong to point out sin. Because sometimes people say, well, yeah, I'm a sinner. But I don't think it's wrong to expose sin. The Bible says to expose the darkness to the light. That's what we are to do. I'm not saying in a judgmental way, but I'm saying in a revealing way. In a way that shows people that they have a desperate need for a Savior. 
It's here that people will fall to their knees. It is here where we will see people converted. It was here where we will see more than half-hearted Christianity. It is here we will see people bold for the gospel because they understand what they've been saved from. And they understand the gospel message, that it is a serious business. And Christianity is just not another club in the world. It is the truth of God to save mankind because we are on a, a road that's leading to destruction. And we need to speak that truth boldly, in love, but boldly. If we don't, we are failing at loving the world and loving God. Those are hard words, but it's true. It's true, and I'm speaking to myself here. It's easy for me to speak to a crowd or to a camera, but it's harder for me to speak to one person. It is. I do, but it's, it's not always easy, and I don't all the time. But what happens if I don't see that person tomorrow? Who's going to tell them the truth of the gospel that I've had the privilege to understand and know? Listen, we need to pray for boldness. Ephesians six eighteen and 19, many of you just know this, is the is the the verse that talks about, or the passage that talks about uh, spiritual warfare, right? Ephesians 6. Listen to these verses from Paul, words from Paul. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now listen. Pray also for me. Whatever I speak, words may be given to me so that I may fearlessly, I think the ESV says boldly, make known the mystery of the gospel, that I may fearlessly pray that you may fearlessly make known the gospel, that you may fearlessly speak truth. We need to pray for wisdom on how to do that, but we need to pray for boldness. We need to be able to pray that we will expose sin in this, in this place. It's the enemy of God. It's the enemy of God. And we should not be passive but bold and call it out into the light. Make it known. We need to be the, the ones who stand up for what is right, just, and true in the world. We need to stand up for the truth of the gospel. Remember, as Christians, half-truths, half-truths make half-hearted Christians, if Christians at all. Half-truths make half-hearted Christians, if Christians at all. Without boldly speaking the truth... We are conforming. The most popular method of spreading the gospel today is more about making people comfortable, not addressing the things that are wrong and warning them of judgment. That's the most common. And, I, you know, and again, I, I, I say this message with, with conviction, not only from God, but also an understanding that I may be offending some. And people are saying, well, that's a little harsh, Doug. We need to love people. It's a, God is about love. Well, he is. He is. But if we're afraid to talk about, to warn people, to warn people, we're just, we're just talking about being comfortable in ourselves. We're more concerned about ourselves than that person. You know, uh, years ago, I just used this illustration. I just thought of this this morning, actually. And I don't know. I, I, for some reason, I think Dennis might have used this one time. I'm not sure. But anyways... When I was growing up, smoking was quite popular. When I was a young teenager, all my friends tried to convince me to smoke. Right? So after a while, I did. You know, I give in to smoking. It was everybody was doing it. It was nice. It was, you know, it was nice, but I mean, it was a habit. And everybody was doing it. It was a cool thing to do. So I was smoking, and and uh, and people were just passively just let you smoke. It's just 
this is the thing to do. It's a, oh, just everybody does it. You know, I'm, you know, I wouldn't do it. It's bad for me, but, but I don't, I don't really care what, you know, what happens to you basically was the, was the, you know, I, I don't want you smoking around me or I don't want you smoking, you know, where it's going to affect my health, but you know, that's up to you. Right. And so, so this is the way it went. Smoking became very popular. But later on, a few years later, I remember they came up with cigarette packages because the warnings got worse. We got worse, and and, and, and the government was now involved, and and, and that, that, the I mean the health was involved, and and they put pictures on the cigarette packages, which showed diseases that cigarettes cause problems on, like things like lung cancer and things like that. That cigarettes were. We're, we're revealing what uh, the package was revealing what can happen to you. It was a warning. You know that a lot of people get upset because of that warning. A lot of people get upset. Some people would cover up their cigarette packages because they because they didn't want to see the warning. They just wanted to they wanted to keep doing what they're doing, but they didn't want to be reminded of what it does. That's kind of what we do to people. If we don't share the whole truth, if we don't tell them about the judgment. If we don't tell them what their sin does, we're, we're just letting them go and, and letting them be whatever they want to be and live and then let live. But if they don't see the reason why they need to turn to Jesus Christ, if they don't see the danger in that, then what are we doing? What are we doing if we don't share the whole truth of the gospel? What are we doing if we're not bold enough to stand up for what is right? What are we doing? We're not loving at all. We're being more about loving ourselves. We need to be able to boldly expose sin because without the knowledge of sin, there's no need for a Savior. That's the truth. Without the knowledge of sin, there's no need for a Savior. And without the boldness to speak about sin, then we are just being self-consumed. So I'm going to ask you a question, two questions actually in closing. When is the last time you seriously prayed for boldness? Do you do it every morning? Do you dare? I think it should be a habit. If you're, and the second question goes along with it, is it really what you want? Is it really what you want? Or are you just more concerned about your life and getting through it? Fellowship with other Christians, are you concerned about the lost and dying? Are you concerned about the sin? Does the sin bother you in the world in a way that you'll stand up and speak against it? Pray for boldness. Paul prayed for boldness. It is a responsibility of Christians. We don't hear of it often, but it's a responsibility of Christians to be bold with truth and to speak truth into people's lives, even at the risk of not being liked, and people turning against us. It's God that does the work in the heart, not us. But he expects us to preach and speak truth into people's lives. I hope that that is something that you'll seriously think about. And I hope that if, you've, if you're listening right now and if you manage to stick through this and you just never really understood what it's like to be a Christian, I want you to know something, that your sin separates you from a holy God. It does. Your sin, and the Bible says that all sin and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not one. And in and and this world, that we, world, we can get through it, but our sin will be answered one day. 
And if we don't accept Christ's answer, if we don't accept Christ's payment for our sins, that means we have to answer that ourselves. And we'll stand before a holy God, none righteous, not one, but stand before a holy God. And if we do not have Christ as the payment for our sins, and it will be too late then, then we will face judgment. And the only punishment for that judgment is harsh, is an eternity in hell. And I don't care who you are. If you're my friend or my enemy, I love you too much to not tell you that truth. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you for your truth. Lord, give us a boldness. Help us be a church that stands out for what is right, just, and true. Help us to be Christians, Christ followers, and speak truth in the lies because we love them and care for them, not in judgment, but as one sinner telling another sinner that, that there is salvation waiting for them. But without it, they're on their own. And that's scary. God, I pray that you'll bless us today, not with heart, heavy hearts, but with joy, joy of our salvation, joy of what you've done for us on the cross, that you'll give us a, uh, the, the joy and the privilege and the honor of what, it, what it's like to be your representatives, the bear the name Christian in this world, God. What a privilege and honor. May we live up to that name boldly. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.